starting to look like we may have to let them go down on two verses instead of just one. You know, we're spilling the banks of that last verse there in a great way, praise God. And uh, if you have a Bible, open up with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to be looking this morning at verses 9 through 11. After looking at the, the preceding verses last Sunday, we'll be looking at these today. As you're opening there, uh, I do want to mention just uh, two more things to you. First of all, uh, if you are a guest, I'd like to meet you this morning when church is over. Now, some of you may still be cautious about meeting folks. I understand that. I have been vaccinated, and I will be wearing a mask. So I'd still love for you to come say hello, uh, whatever your comfort level may be. And you're welcome. It's happened to me before. If it happened again, you're welcome to stay six feet away. Uh, that wouldn't bother me at all if you wanted to stay distant. But we have a small gift we'd like to give you. And so if you go out this door after church, down the stairs to the left, you'll be in what we call our guest information area. We've not used it in about a year uh, because we've been trying to be very cautious. But this morning, we want to make sure all our guests feel welcome and receive a gift. So we'd love to meet you at the end of church. And second of all, many of you have been visiting for a while now. Some of you are first-time guests. I'd like to tell you about an opportunity that's coming up here on the last Sunday in April. Uh, information's on our website and, and will be in the chimes as well. Uh, we have our First Things New Members and Prospects class coming up. Now, many of you have already joined. Uh, many of you are thinking about First Baptist, trying to learn about it. It'll be at 9.15 in the morning on the last Sunday this month. We'd love for you to come, learn more about the church. I'd like to say hello to you. You can ask any questions you have. And we'll just talk a little bit about what we believe and where our church is headed, what's going on here. Uh, we'd love for you to be a part of that. We will have a light breakfast there, and we would love to just know that you're coming. So that'll be directly underneath us in the fellowship hall, and you can uh, RSVP to receptionist at fbcgasm.org. That's not urgent. You don't have to do that today, uh, but you'll be looking in the chimes on the website, on social media for information about that class. We'd love for you to participate in that. So some of you may be thinking, I'd like to know more about this place. And so we've got you covered. And it's coming up here in just a few weeks. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. If you would, please stand with me out of reverence for the reading of the words of our God. Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning verse 9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. O oh Lord, our God, we ask you, if you would, please open our hearts and minds today to receive your word and to be changed by it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Every year around this time, it happens again. It happened last year, happened the year before. It'll happen again next year. It'll happen until the Lord Jesus comes back. Every time around this year, around this time, every year, Someone, and oftentimes lots of people, try to help us understand what a silly day this is. Just this weekend, I read a tweet from an atheist, and here's what it said. Just a little reminder today. Dead people don't come back to life. Just a little reminder today. Dead people don't come back to life. And there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot of thoughts that go into this, but let me just say this. 
and, and I'd really like to lead off the sermon. Everything I have to say today really is rooted in what I'm going to say right now. That is precisely true. That, that is exactly the case. Dead people really don't come back to life. People know this. People have known this forever. People knew this 2,000 years ago. The people who followed Jesus knew that dead people don't come back to life. They know it. They've known it forever. We know that that's the case. And that is precisely the point of Easter. And, and that is precisely why on a day like today we want our worship to be big and epic and beautiful and majestic and glorious. We want there to be a brightness in the room, a vividness to our worship. We want there to be joy overwhelming and unspeakable precisely because people don't come back to life. That's the point of Easter and in all reality it's the point of absolutely the whole Bible. Death is absolutely, utterly totally, completely, and eternally undefeated until Jesus came along. Nobody's confused at a funeral. We cry at a funeral for a reason. N nobody's confused when they're at the hospital bed of a loved one whose life is slipping away. They know why they mourn. They know why they're sad. We know that people die and that death is final. And that's precisely why the resurrection is the most glorious news in the history of the world. No heart has ever plumbed the depths. No tongue can recite the depths of the glory of the fact that the Son of God died and that the Son of God rose from the dead. People don't just raise from the dead. Death is not normal. Death is a curse on this world. And though God created us to live through our sin, death has come into the world and death seems undefeated. Death is a great foe. Sin and death seem to reign everywhere you look. And yet this morning we are all proclaiming to one another as we sing, as we worship, and even as we hear the very word of the Lord preached and taught, and simply spoken, we are declaring not only to the world, not only to one another, not only to powers and principalities cowering in the darkness, fearing the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, but even to death itself. You have no authority in this place. Only the Lord Jesus Christ does. That's precisely the point of Easter. That's precisely the point of the Bible. And that's precisely why, even though last week we talked about sorrow in the world, this week we talk about joy. Sorrow seems insurmountable. Sin seems insurmountable. Death seems insurmountable. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ, the strong man, has cast death and sin out. From this text today, I want you to see the way that the joy of resurrection emerges from the sorrow of death. I want to show you this morning three simple truths about the joy of the resurrection. I hope you'll see this joy in contrast to sorrow and hope you'll see these three truths today. Here's the first. I hope today as you hear this word, you will embrace the joy of resurrection hope. I hope and pray that you will embrace the joy of resurrection hope. Look with me in verse 9 of this text. Therefore, 
God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Here's just something when you're reading your Bible, okay? You just open up and start a verse, and it starts with therefore. That's an important word, especially in the New Testament, because it helps you start to understand and piece together the flow of thought of the author. And so when we start here at therefore, it's important for us to back up and figure out why Paul is saying therefore. What he says after therefore is based on something else. So notice what he says. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. That's important to know, right? This is an allusion to the resurrection, not only the the raising to life of the Lord Jesus, but the exaltation of the Lord Jesus to his ascension to heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father, the Bible says. And so there's it's important then for us, especially on Easter, to consider why God has highly exalted him. That's what this therefore is cluing us in on. Therefore. Now, if you were here last week, you already know, but let me just catch you up. Being found in human form, verse 8, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. Now, do you see the beauty of what we're celebrating here today? Do you see the beauty of the truth that we're allowing to sort of percolate in our hearts here on Easter? Do, do you, are you starting to get some clarity on why, even though we're celebrating the resurrection today, we still have a cross highlighted this morning as we worship, that we are thinking about the cross? It's because the Bible teaches us that it was through the humiliation and the suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ, it was through those things that seemed so awful, it was through His descent, the Scripture teaches, that before uh, creation ever existed for eternity past, all the way back. The second person of the Trinity has always been and always will be the very Son of God, fully God of fully God. There's nothing that's true about God that's not true of the second person of the Trinity. And yet, Paul tells us in this passage that that, that person became flesh on our behalf. That's a condescension in itself, isn't it? For God to become man, The Greeks could think nothing of it, much less the Jews. It was a scandal for anyone to hear that God would become man. In fact, the the proceeding years of church history involved a lot of fights where heretics would come in and try to say, there's no way that God, the, the very God that we worship, the God of the Bible, or even the God of the Greeks could become flesh, could become Man, and yet that's exactly what we celebrate. And yet Paul doesn't leave us there where the Lord Jesus simply condescended to become man, taking on the form of a servant, taking on human flesh. It goes even deeper than that, that the very holy God, the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, Jesus of Nazareth, robed in flesh. He did not just humble himself to become man, but he humbled himself to the point of death. Even death on a cross. And this is why God highly exalted him, the Bible says, and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Consider this truth today, my friends. As you you begin to try to fathom resurrection hope and fathom the joy that we're celebrating here today, consider this truth, that Jesus Christ is Lord precisely because of his humble suffering For you, everyone here, everyone who hears me, 
everyone who's watching at home, everyone who's watching this later, every single one of us is a sinner. We've sinned before God. And while we may try in different ways to convince ourselves, well, I'm just like everyone else, yeah, you are. We're all sinners. Or maybe we try to convince ourselves, I'm better than other people. It doesn't matter how good you get on your own, you've still sinned. You've still broken God's law. Only one man ever has not broken God's law. And that's the very Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. And He suffered the death that we deserve. What a radical descent then that is for the pure and perfect Son of God. But it gives the ground. It gives the reason. It gives us understanding of why God has highly exalted Him. It, it gives us truth and hope that Jesus Christ has overcome the grave. What we deserve, Jesus went there and He emerged victorious. And the Bible says God has highly exalted Him. God raised Him up from the dead and He is now seated at the right hand of power next to the Father. And I want you to know this morning that there is profound joy in knowing that He has gone where we all must go. Every day I look in the mirror and I see one or two more gray hairs. I name them all. This latest one's name is Larry Furman. And <laughs> he texted me just this morning. He texts me words of encouragement before I preach. I don't know if y'all know that. He told me, he said, I like your jacket. If you wear it long enough, it'll come back in style. So this is... <laughs> That's who I get all my fashion advice from, Larry Furman. <laughs> Every day I look in the mirror and I'm reminded that it's one day closer to where we all must go. One day nearer to where we all must go. Every one of us here at one point or another will walk through the valley of the shadow of death if the Lord tarries. Every one of us recognize and know death is undefeated. Until Jesus came along. And isn't it something to know that the Lord Jesus carried His cross to the place of the skull? That He was fastened there to that cross. That He suffered the wrath of His Father on your behalf. That He died. That He was put in a grave. That He went down to Sheol, the Bible says. He went to the place where dead people go. He tasted death for us all, the Bible says. Isn't it wonderful then to come here this morning and to say, Jesus Christ is risen? Do you feel the power and the weight and the glory of the reality that one has gone where we all must go and He emerged from that dark and gloomy grave victorious over sin and death? This is our hope. And for that very reason, He has become both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom we crucified. He has been shown by the power of God to be fully divine and to be our Messiah and our Savior. Have you ever stopped and thought what the world might look like if one day someone could snap their fingers and instantly everyone in the world could be delivered from sin and death? What if I told you that hope is true? That that hope is real? 
that because of what He did for us on the cross, the Lord Jesus will indeed deliver us all from sin and from death. What joy, what joy ought we to have because we have resurrection hope. I hope you will. I hope you'll embrace the joy of resurrection hope. But also, we must respond to this truth. We must respond to what Jesus has done. Notice the way the text flows from here. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Because of what Jesus did at the cross, because of his faithfulness there, because of his holy life, because of the fact he did not deserve death, he lived a life that was not worthy of death, because he was the very Son of God, fully God of fully God, totally divine, totally perfect, totally sinless. Because of that, therefore, God has highly exalted him. He raised him from the dead, and he has bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Jesus is now Lord and Christ, so that, the Bible said, there's a response, there's something that must happen. And brothers and sisters, know that it will happen, first of all, we see, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That's our second point today. Embrace the joy of humble repentance. Embrace the joy of humble repentance. Nothing in your ears sounds less joyful today than repentance. It sounds awful. (laughs) Nobody likes to repent, I promise. Nobody, I've got three beautiful children, I love them dearly. They do not like repenting. I didn't teach them that. Neither did Whitney, okay. None of them like repenting. I didn't teach them that, but I gave them that. They inherited that from me and their mother. None of us want to do what God wants us to do. And certainly none of us want to admit that that which we've been doing isn't what God wants us to do. In fact, there are whole schools of religion, whole churches, whole movements that are built on the idea that we want to tell people whatever it is you've already been doing, God's already rubber-stamped it, keep going that way and everything will be fine. Getting what we think we deserve seems to point to joy. And every heart in this room is bent toward finding joy by doing it their own way. But what if I told you that the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ has turned everything upside down? And that even your most basic instincts have been impacted by the fall. And that through this cross and through this resurrection, the Lord Jesus is is reforming everything into the way it ought to be done, the way things ought to happen. And that right now you think your pride and your self-reliance and picking yourself up by your bootstraps is what would bring joy to your life and joy to your heart. But what if the reality of the way God designed the world is that doing things God's way is actually the way we find joy? What if joy is actually found in humility, in turning from sin? At the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. It's so counterintuitive to us to care about a name that's not our own. We live in an age of brand building and making ourselves known and trying to get as much attention as we can possibly get. 
And so this idea, this very thought that at the name of someone else, at the name of Jesus, that every knee should bow is one of the most countercultural ideas that has ever been taught or preached. It's the opposite of what we want to do. And yet, what I want to ask you this morning is this, where are your idols getting you? Where are your idols getting you? Now, I'm not talking about the posters from Tiger Beat magazine that you've got pasted up on your wall. Not those idols. I'm talking about those gods you worship, even when you don't call them gods. Those things that take the place of God in your life. Those things you go to for comfort or identity or those things that only God could provide. One of my favorite definitions of idolatry is that for which you'll sin to get or sin if you don't. Those things that you cling so tightly to. Those things that are giving you hope. You know what they are. What if I told you that those idols that have such control of your life, well, what is it right now that you think, if I lost this or if I lost that, my life wouldn't be worth living? That might be a good first step to considering what might be an idol in your life. Jesus gives us the opportunity. He's come. He's died. He's risen from the dead. God has given evidence through His resurrection that He has spoken through Him, that He is His Son, His beloved Son. He's he's given credence and validity to the fact that Jesus is who He said He was as He rose from the dead. And today you have the opportunity to forsake those idols that aren't giving you joy. Now they keep promising joy, but have you noticed they never deliver? What if today, what if today by God's grace you could reject the idols that we think will give us what we want and embrace the God through Christ who promises us what we need? What what, what if you could move on from idolatry and turn from your sin and repentance, that sin that keeps washing you back up on the shores of sorrow and misery and death eventually? And what if you could turn from those sins by God's grace and today bow your knee at the name of Jesus and instead of going about the rat race of life and trying to get your own way and trying to make yourself seem like you're something you're not? What if instead you could turn from those sins in repentance And humbly bow your knee at the name of Jesus before the Lord and receive that which you so desperately need. Forgiveness, a promise, a hope, a future. You see, this is the reality of the resurrection. There's nothing we can do if Jesus is alive. I think it was Yaroslav Pelikan, the theologian who said if Jesus is alive nothing else matters and if Jesus isn't alive nothing else matters the reality of the resurrection is that it means Jesus is Lord if it is true that God raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the dead then truly nothing else matters this is where we are and the Bible teaches so plainly that every knee will bow at the name of Jesus Each and every one of us has the choice. Will we bow our knee in repentance or will we, when it's too late, submit to the reality that was true all along that Jesus Christ is Lord of everything? This morning, if you've seen the risen Christ, if you've seen the crucified one, if you've encountered by the Spirit of God and through His Word today, the Lord Jesus raised from the dead, what option do you have but fealty to the King?
What option do you have but to turn from your sins and turn from those old ways of life and to embrace Jesus today? Turn from your sins. We must submit to the Lord Jesus. If indeed Jesus was raised from the dead. And listen, if you're struggling with that reality, let's get together this week. I've got books. I can send you a couple of messages that I've done on the truth of the resurrection. If that's something you're struggling with, that's what we're here for. Don't just pray that God would give you an answer. Go to where you can find them. Maybe God would answer your prayer. But some of you know already, and yet you just haven't done anything with that truth. If Jesus was raised from the dead, He is Lord, He is King, and we owe Him allegiance. This morning, I pray that you would embrace resurrection hope, and I pray that you would embrace humble repentance. And finally, I I hope and pray that everyone here would embrace the joy of authentic faith. You see, it's one thing to say, turn from your sins, but I've got better news than that. In fact, everybody here, even the most hardened in this room, has got some sin they wish they could be off with. Dealing with some guilt they wish they could deal with. Well, wouldn't it be horrible for me just to say, all right, stop it. Let us pray. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a terrible message? I think we've all heard that message before. Hey, who in here is a sinner? We all raise our hands. All right, quit that. Happy Easter. <laughs> no, we're not just turning from something. We're turning to something. We're not just rejecting an old way of life. We're embracing a new way of life. Do you see what the Bible says? You see what the Scripture says? So that at the name, verse 10, of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Throughout the Scriptures, and especially in the New Testament, these two images are used in different ways to express repentance and faith. To confess that Jesus is Lord and to believe in our hearts is to put faith in Jesus. You know, this is a good question we have. It's a good question we have. Do you, do you, when you think about God, what do you think about? I know people, I'm close to people, people I love dearly, who when they think about God, all they think about is an angry father chastising them all the time. Just telling them what they've done wrong, nitpicking them. Never pleased, never happy with what they've done, always frustrated. But what do you think about when you think about God? I hope and pray that when you think about God, your mind would go straight to the Lord Jesus Christ. That He would represent God for you. That's exactly what the Bible is trying to do. And in fact, as Paul is saying this, he's actually quoting the Bible. You may may not know that. You, You may not realize that. When he says he's been given the name above every name... As the passage progresses, it seems like what Paul is trying to do is associate the name of Jesus with the very personal name of God, which he revealed to the fathers in the Old Testament, the name Yahweh. I am who I am, the covenant name of God. And as he says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, he is echoing someone who spoke the word of God before him, the prophet Isaiah, who lived thousands of years before, who in chapter 45, verses 22 and 23 of his book said this, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is no other. By myself I have sworn. That's why we don't swear 
by God. We can't, but God can swear by Himself because He's able to do what He says He will do. By myself I have sworn, from my mouth has gone out in righteousness a word that shall not return. That is, it will be done. Do you hear what the Bible says here? To me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear allegiance. To say this, to use this language about a man is blasphemy. It is blasphemous to say that anyone but God would receive this sort of allegiance and this sort of fealty from the earth. God has sworn it by Himself that every knee will bow and every tongue will swear allegiance, will confess His name, will know Him. It is only God about whom this can be said. And what is Paul doing? He is pointing us back to Isaiah and at the same time pointing us out into a future where it is clear that it is Jesus whom God has appointed to achieve this very end. And so when at the name of Jesus, every knee bows and every tongue confesses, it is the same as if they are bowing their knee and confessing allegiance to Yahweh himself. It's precisely true that Jesus is fully God. What do you think about when you think about God? Because what I want you to think about when you think about God are wrists that were pierced through for you. A scythe that was pierced for you. Feet that were nailed through for you. A body that was broken for you. A lamb whose blood was shed for you. When you think about God, I want you to think about this brother, this one who shared our nature, but not our sin, and whose arms are open wide, waiting to receive those who would turn from their sins in repentance and turn to Him in faith. Do you see the beauty of what God is offering you? He's saying, you can be done with those sins. You can be done with those idols. You can turn from those things. By my grace and by my power and by my spirit, I will help you. And you can fall headlong into the arms of my son who bled for you and died for you and who was raised from the dead on your behalf and who I've declared to be both Lord and Christ. This very day, forgiveness and love is offered for you now and forevermore. When you think about God, oh, brothers and sisters, won't you think about Jesus? What do you think about Christ? Where is your faith? Where's your trust? What are you leaning on today? Are you still leaning on you? Are you still leaning on your stuff? Are you still thinking, I'm not there yet, but I'll get there one day? Are you still trusting those idols? Are you still trusting your abilities? Are you still thinking, yeah, one day I'll get tightened up enough to make it to heaven. I'll get tightened up enough for God to accept you. My brothers, my sisters, what a miserable way to live. I have such good news for you. The Lord Jesus is risen and you don't have to work for those things anymore. He gives it to you freely by faith. 
You're rejecting an old life, but you're embracing a new life. The life of grace that's been given to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be made new today. You can be made whole today. You don't have to chase after those things that are like carrots dangling in front of you. You can be done with all those things and be embraced and loved to become a part of the family of God, to be a part of the kingdom of God. You can be loved and forgiven today. If you would put your trust in Jesus. You're not only being called to repentance, you're being called to belief. There is sorrow in the world. And the reality is, we can't ignore that fact. Over and over and over again, we've been pressed with sorrow in the last year. We've seen sorrow after sorrow, difficulty after difficulty. But this morning, we praise God for hope. We praise God for the fact He didn't leave us on our own. We praise God for the fact that despite our sin and despite our rebellion, that there is hope for us, that God did not leave us as orphans, but He has come to us through Jesus, and He offers us forgiveness today. We thank God for the fact that for eternity past, He was holy and He was perfect. We thank God for the fact that the very Son of God came into the world to become flesh on our behalf. We praise God for the fact that when Jesus was here, He didn't walk around with His chest puffed out expecting everybody, you know, don't you know who my daddy is? Don't you know what I deserve? No, He humbled Himself taking the form of a servant. He was humiliated through death. A death that he did not deserve, but that we deserved. He died on the cross for our sins. And yet God didn't leave him there because the power of death couldn't hold over him forever. God raised him up from the dead in power and in glory. And even now, the message to you is, you can know this Jesus. You can know the God of the ages, the one who created you. You can know He will be your Father, and you can come to Him by being united to His Son by faith. Oh, how I hope and pray. How I hope and pray that you would embrace the Lord Jesus today. I I pray that you would see resurrection hope and embrace that joy. I pray that you would see the joy, the joy of repentance. And finally, I pray that you would see the joy of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ today. I want to offer an invitation. And we would encourage you to stay socially distanced, but you're welcome to come forward here to the altar today. I want to offer an invitation. Some of you may not know the Lord Jesus. I'd love to talk to you this morning about what it means for you to put faith in Jesus. I I believe with all my heart, If you've seen this truth and seen His glory and you feel led to turn from your sins in repentance and turn to God in faith through Jesus, I believe if you will repent of your sins and turn to the Lord Jesus in faith, you will be saved. You can turn to Him today. You don't need me for that. If you want me to pray with you or talk with you, I'm here for you. But you don't have to have that. All you need is the Lord Jesus and His grace. Second of all, you may be a believer. And you may need someone some time to pray, you may need someone to pray with. I'm here for you, or you can catch me after the service. But no, this is a moment of reflection where you can reflect on what the Lord Jesus has done for you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. You take time to do business with the Lord, and after this prayer, I'd like for you to do just that. Let's pray together.
Oh, Lord, our God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for the fact that despite the reality that people don't raise from the dead, we thank you for the fact that Jesus did. And God, for that power and that glory and that victory over the grave, we are grateful. And God, we pray that our lives would reflect that truth. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.